Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Welcome to the show. Today, I have Landon Gorbanko as my guest. Landon is the head of mental performance and gaming at FitGamer. Welcome, Landon. Thank you. Thank you. So what, what's fit, what is, what is FitGamer? It's a little bit of everything. The actual answer to that is, is FitGamer is a company that's trying to really implement the the strategies of historic like sports science, nutrition, sleep, those kinds of things. And, and take the principles or the information, the science we know from that, and then find a way to mass distribute it to gamers so that these principles are easily accessible to everybody. It's not some kind of massive barrier where you have to go out and find a personal trainer. You have to dig through hours and hours of YouTube content or uh, forums or whatever it is for getting nutrition or physical maintenance or mental performance, any of these things. So it's really a way of condensing all of that sports science or those high performance strategies or techniques or, or tools or whatever it might be and putting it in a platform that pretty much any gamer has access to. And then on top of that, we also are training uh, a handful of the, the top tier pro teams such as cloud nine. So working with like the LCS, the Academy team, there, working with Spitfire and hurricane, uh, a couple of the Valorant rosters and, uh, then we got a f- couple other pro teams kind of on deck, ready to come down the pipe. But uh, that's the two branches of our company is one like mass distributing. How do you how do you develop yourself as a elite player, and then also working with the pros hands on? Great. So you're kind of like a physical trainer slash nutritionist slash uh, sports psychology group yep. all in one bubble. It's a one stop shop. One stop shop. One of the one of the big issues that we noticed in the industry, and even I know us personally, is that. When I first came in, when you get into an organization or a team, you got like a a trainer here, you got a PT here, you got sports psych here, you got a little bit of everybody and not all branches are communicating with each other. So you don't really know what's going on. Uh, So that was one of the founding principles of FitGamer is when you, when you bring us onto a team, you get pretty much the entire blanket experience of everything. And that way, everything's kind of talking to each other. Everybody knows where we're at and, and we can create a a more efficient, high-perform program that way. And it just allows us to hit everything all at once. And you guys are doing this 100% virtually or are you doing some things in, in real life as well? It depends on the, the roster. So take the LCS team, for example. The LCS team is a hybrid model. So we have a couple of people that are boots on the ground in LA. And so they're going to the Cloud9 gaming houses. They're doing the physical maintenance. That's largely Mike Anderson and some of his team. Uh, so Cloud9, if you've seen some of their, their house tour videos lately, you'll see like they have a big gym in the inside their garage. Mike goes there and trains them in that garage and then we'll come in kind of through discord usually we have our server set up and then if you look at more like the we're just working with valorant white and so valorant white's spread throughout the state so actually a couple canadians in there as well Uh, everything is virtual there so our our physical trainers they go in they do workouts or lead workouts on that we do our yoga meditation via discord our sports like mental performance via discord so we can do a little bit of both depends on if the team is centrally located in la or or kind of dispersed throughout europe or north america and where did the idea to create this company come from? How, where did this stem from? 
Oh, that's decades and decades of, of research, I think. Our founder, Dr. Holden McRae, he was an exercise physiologist and the head of the sports medicine department at Pepperdine University in California. And so he was doing his research in high performance. I think he was particularly working with like things like Red Bull, the NHL, the NBA, those kinds of places. His focus was on like the nutrition and the mental performance of endurance athletes, any kind of high performance environment, whatever it might be. So he was in that area for a very long time. And through his career, he eventually touched base with Red Bull, was working with Red Bull for a while. Red Bull at that, well, still is, but at the time had Cloud9 and they wanted to see if they could build out a traditional high performance environment for Cloud9. And so he was the one that got sicked on that job. And then you fast forward a couple of years of, of doing that. He was doing a lot of R and uh, then all the other kind of pieces come together, holding, holding through like a, a friend of a friend of a friend had heard of me and I'm on the mental performance side of things. He heard about the work I was doing as well as one of his old students who actually happens to be one of our other two founders. They're married now is Mike Anderson and Kristen Anderson. Those two, Mike was his student. And so when, uh, when Holden was doing the sport things, he brought Mike on board Mike brought Kristen and then the group of them found me and they brought me on board. And so now we're just one big, happy training kind of high performance group. What are some of the problems historically that persisted and persist in esports that as an organization, you guys have recognized and are trying to solve? Buy-in. I think, you know what? Buy-in is one of the hardest things to get because traditionally speaking, like it, it really also varies from game to game on what you're going to, kind of barriers that you're going to be running into. But a lot of players are still of the mentality that I'm, I'm here, I'm on this team to play the game. That's it. That's all I need to do. And so when you introduce things like, this is what's good for your brain. This is what's good for your cognition. This is what will help prevent injuries. So whether it's lower back, neck, wrists, anything, pinched nerves, those kinds of things. It's just not really there yet. And so buy-in is is brutal sometimes. And this isn't just with the pros. This is with brand new Fortnite players who are 13 years old, all the way up to seasoned CSGO veterans. There's really uh, not much variance there. Like everybody is struggling with that buy-in piece and trying to understand that performance doesn't stop when you hang up on the game. Like performance continues, how fast your brain is functioning, how well you can sit or like your posture to prevent injuries. All these things play a role in how well you're going to be actually performing in the game. And they don't fully recognize that when somebody like uh, say Jack at cloud nine or Andy at TSM or whatever it is, when they're paying you salaries, they're expecting something in return. They need to protect their investments, right? Like that's a lot of money going to a player. So we need to prevent injuries. We need to protect performance. We need to build the player and the mental and the physical realm. And so uh, trying to get the players to understand that and, and buy into it is a challenge. And, you know, some, some rosters are absolutely phenomenal at it. Like some rosters are just, they show up, they're there right when it kicks off. They're fully engaged for a full hour, whatever it might be. And like, they're, they're there, but historically the biggest issue is buy-in um, just because it's something that's new. It's the, the whole sports science world and esports or the whole health and wellness industry is, is fairly new to esports. So it's kind of like a slow process and we got to start with low hanging fruit, fruit typically. And what is what what's usually the way that you guys are are starting to work with teams? Are you doing like an analysis of areas in, in which there's high risk, or is there just you're just kind of doing throwing everything at them at once? What how does that look like from from a team side starting to work with a company like FitGamer? Yeah, and so this is where we'll have, and this is where it's really nice having all pieces talking together at the same time. So. When it comes to, I'll start with the physical maintenance. When it comes to the physical maintenance side of things, it's a lot about 
even if the player has worked out or has done these things before, we want to ensure that, you know, like form is correct, that all these things are, because if we're going to be putting you through physical maintenance or physical training in order to prevent injuries, we also want to make sure that it doesn't cause an injury in and of itself. And so the initial, the initial sessions within physical maintenance will a lot of times be assessing form, teaching form, kind of keeping it to the fundamental movements of like, this is how you do a deadlift. This is how you do a lunge. This is how you do a squat and making sure that form is correct before anything else. Like even if the person has done a lot of working out, we want to ensure that form is just like spot on when it comes to the mental performance side of things. And so this is, uh, this is my sweet spot. This is the, the spot that I love the talking about the most. It's it's, you'll hear a lot of people in my position say the same phrase where you're the expert on you and I'm the expert on performance. Like I know uh, what it takes or what you have to do to prevent tilt or have better communication or how to structure a team. So it's a high performance culture or an environment or have those good dynamics. Like I know that I don't know any of you, like, you know what you need, you know where you're at. And so the initial conversations are often I'll break down kind of a introduction to the types of things that I can work on or that I might have answers to or where I could really help the roster shine. I'll, I'll give them that kind of TLDR of it. Following that, we'll go into kind of a, a dissection of what they want to work on. So it's like, what are the immediate issues that you're, you think your team is struggling with? What are the immediate issues that you're struggling with? What do you think the barriers, even hitting things like where your strengths, we don't always just want to be working on, on the bad, but we also want to be really hammering in. Like, how do we make your strengths even better? If you're a great shot caller near the IGL for uh, a COD team, LCS team, Overwatch team, if you're a great shot caller, like you still want to be better, right? Like it's just because it's not an issue doesn't mean we can't get you better. And so we'll also see like what makes them great at something and then trying to enhance that because that that adds a little bit of purpose. If you can really contribute to your strength to a roster, like you feel good about it because you actually are doing well in the thing that you were hired to do. Uh, and so we'll hit that. Uh, and so we have these really open and honest conversations regarding like, what do you guys need and what do you guys want? Through that conversation, these conversations will usually last between I don't know, one to three sessions, give or take, we'll find out from there. I start kind of each week, I'll structure out what I anticipate doing. And I try to keep a really close communication with the coaches because since I can't be there at all the scrims, I can't be there at all the reviews. I don't always have the information to make a decision based on like, what does the team need this week? So I'll try and get information from the coaches of what do you see happening to your players? What do they need help with? And then I'll structure things each week, bring in the information that they need and then try and hammer down those points specifically because again that's what they want and need and that's what i find is the most useful uh and that that's where i get the buy-in the most too is when we're dealing with stuff they they really want you get a little bit better buy-in that way and how are you measuring or tracking like the success and the results of like what you're bringing to the table for them or the types of things that you're having them you know shift and and modify yeah so again this is a little bit of a separation between the mental and the physical side of things. So on the, we'll take the the in-person or the, the I guess it wouldn't be in-person, be virtual training. So the ones with the pros, when it comes to the physical maintenance and the physical training side of things, our coaches will take down the data points of what was your time on this workout? How many of these things did you do? How did this, we'll sometimes pit each other against each other in like a, a workout competition. So it's like, how did these numbers come out? And so it measures a baseline when we first take them on. And then periodically every month or every other month, we continue to collect those data points to see how, whether it's like 
maybe it's fitness improved, maybe it's uh, form improved, whatever it might be, but trying to collect data points each month to see how you progress from that initial baseline or the initial set of workouts that we did with them. Uh, so physical maintenance, fairly easy to track in those things. So really, it's just a it's 28 squats or five minutes, 70 or five minutes, 60, 58 seconds or whatever it might be easier to, to track when it comes to mental performance. The brain is, is sometimes complex and dumb. It's very hard to track progress in that because it's oftentimes subjective. Like how well do you think you did? How good are you at managing tilt? Like how do you track those things accurately? So it, it kind of boils down to a subjective rating as sometime uh, we can see things like we can kind of quantitatively measure certain things, like how often you guys have breakdowns in matches, how often I'll sometimes have players record how much they feel like they choked in game. So did you go for one V one in Valorant, miss your shot because you just missed your shot mechanically speaking, where it's good. Or was it that you actually choked in that moment? Cause you, you got nervous or whatever it might be. If the latter mark it down. So we'll measure some of those things we'll have. We'll find ways to turn qualitative points like choking, tilt, motion regulation, communication. We'll find ways to turn it into quantitative data points, measure it that way. This is where the, we're just re- about to release our app this week, which is going to help measure some of these things. And this is where this tool is going to come in real handy because it allows us to get like a little bit of a deeper insight into what's going on mentally, physically, cognitively with the players, and then create data output from that so that we can measure players over time, correlate it with in-game statistics, see really how players or how the performance world outside the game is impacting their in-game. And I think once that app once that app is is ready to go and players are using it readily, we'll be able to see some really, really cool trends and correlations between physical, mental, and game. How did you personally, like, what's your journey? What's your story in getting into this space? Very long. Should I start like right from the beginning? Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> so when you're like five years old, start from when you're like five. <laughs> I always start from five. I always say, well, a little bit earlier than five. I, I always joke that I could play games before I could walk. Like it is, it is such a fundamental piece to who I am. I remember I used to, I used to sneak into my mom's closet. She would keep my NES in the closet. And so I'd sneak in there when she was looking, steal the NES, NES, run downstairs, plug it in and play a bunch of like Mega Man or TMNT2 or uh, whatever it might be. And so it like, it truly began. It's been such a, such a, a fundamental core aspect of who I am for my entire life. Where it kind of became an issue for me was in my mid teens, late teens. I don't know if gaming caused it or if, or it's like chicken, the egg. So I don't know if gaming caused this or this was the cause from gaming, but I ended up having a lot of mental health issues like depression, social anxiety. I, I really struggled to make friends. I got so nervous that if I met somebody new, I would get drenched in sweat and it was, it was awful. So even if I had the social skills to talk to somebody, I was covered in sweat and probably stank. So really struggled with that. And then on top, I was classified as like morbidly obese at that point as well. And so I'm five, seven, so I'm not overly tall. I was more or less just a big old ball at that point. And so that, that was really the starting point for me. And it, I had this realization once I joined fit gamers that I more or less went down the fit gamer training pillars kind of through my own exploration. And so I started with losing the weight. I ended up following that up with, I got a degree in psychology, was really trying to figure out a lot of these. That's, that's one of the, the, um, tropes of the psych degrees. A lot of people are trying to figure out stuff. That's why they end up in there. And so I lost all the weight, got my psychology degree. At that point, I kind of fell in love with just how the mind works, but I also wanted to work in esports. And from there, now that I, I was I was getting a lot more fit and I, I had a lot of my social or my mental issues kind of resolved at that point, 
I, I pursued a master's in sport and performance psychology. And so this is where my sports science, my, my sports psychology really came in. And I did that with the sole intent of coming back into the esports industry because I want to help the next generation kind of avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I went through. And then also I, I'm unbelievably obsessed or I guess passionate is probably a better word of like what makes pros tick. Like there's so many pros out there that got to their place without any help whatsoever. Like how, how do, what do, what do you think about when you wake up? Like how does your brain tick that got you here? How do you think about a game? How does the way that you consume information from a game, like how do you, how do you consume that process? How do you make decisions from that? Uh, and so those are, those are the two major points that brought me back into this industry. Um, and truthfully, this is, uh, this is kind of where it got a little bit more bumpy again, in the sense that I entered the industry a little bit naive thinking that, sweet, I got the gaming, I got the gaming experience. I got my degree in psychology. I got a master's from a really great university. Like I'm set. I'm going to go into the industry. I'm going to claim a position on a big team and I'm going to be just rolling up for the rest of my life. And it was massively different than that. I, I had to start from pretty much the ground up. I, I, moved across country. I, I'm from Calgary. So I jumped on a plane, flew to Toronto, and I just kind of dove headfirst into the industry and quickly realizing that I was not going to get a position very quick. And so I started moonlighting as a bartender at night, just trying to make ends meet. So I'd be working like, I don't know, eight to 12 hours in esports doing pro bono work, trying to volunteer with local teams, trying to volunteer with organizations across the world, then going to work as a bartender going to bed for a few hours and kind of wake up. So I, was, I wasn't doing exactly what I was teaching people in terms of making sure that my, my brain was healthy, but I was, I was like, I needed, I needed to work in the industry. So I wasn't about to give that up. And then if you fast forward, I did that for a couple of years. It was absolutely brutal, but I learned a lot. I, I often tell people the story. I had the chance to meet Chris Overholt, the CEO of Overactive Media, within a couple of months of entering the, the industry. And it just by chance, it was at a panel, it was at an event, shook his hand, tried to pitch myself, didn't go over super well, but they had just hired a somebody for my position. So we, there, nothing really kind of progressed from that. And I look back on that now, if I would have got that position or if I would have been able to impress him and get in with overactive media very early, I think I would have absolutely tanked my reputation because there's no way I would have done a good job at it. Like I, I truly had to go through the ringer and like work with small teams across North America or Europe and make terrible decisions and, and crash and burn, learn from it, do it again, and just keep on repeating that process. And then at that point, if you fast forward a few years, that's when I started actually making traction. I trapped my first major event. I, I went with Team Secret to Poland for like the first ever major in-person Apex game or Apex event. And it was a blast, met a lot of people there, made a lot of good connections. And that was that was like where it really started cascading. And from that point on, worked with different professional organizations, um, still kept on doing volunteer. I, I truly value, even now to this, this day, I still do a lot of volunteer and pro bono work because uh, like, I just, I love the industry so much. So eventually through connections and, and working and networking and whatnot, I bumped into like, Holden, I bumped into Mike, I bumped into Kristen, and then that's where it kind of all came together with the Cloud9 side of things. And on top of that, right now, I'm one of the the lead instructors for a esport program at a college in Canada. So it, it's a long journey, very, very bumpy. I spent a lot of time. There was one point where I was working so hard with such such little money because I wasn't making much very early on that my shower head broke and I had to like crouch on the ground just to shower because like I couldn't afford, I couldn't even afford to do that. But I was like up until that point, I was hell bent on making sure that I get into the industry. So it was worth the suffering in the end. Do you think part of it was just like 
you saw a need and a gap in a space that wasn't necessarily ready for what you had to bring to the table. Like it, it still right now seems like such a revolutionary new concept. And I work with pro teams, like to have someone like you working directly with the athletes is, is, you know, a lot of teams aren't like there yet. Do you think it was like you had a vision for something before the world was ready for it? Yeah, well, there was there was some pioneers before me, I think, like in the League of Legends space, for example, I don't think he's working with any teams anymore. But Weldon Green was one of the first sports psych people in the industry. And he was working with like TSM. I think he did Cloud9, CLG, those kinds of things. And so he was really, at least for League, he was one of the points of entries for people like us. And then I think over time, other other people started kind of coming to the industry and people like Jake Middleton, for example, he's been around for a very long time. Or, as well as Robert Yip, he's working with Immortals. He was working with like Misfits and other ones before that. Like they were here before me for sure. And it was people like that that really encouraged me to kind of get into the space. The other thing, when I was doing my master's, I was over in Scotland and I was pitching the idea of doing all my research in esports. And I was I was terrified that I was going to get dumped on by my professor because he's a, like a hardcore rugby, rally car, cricket kind of fan and so when I pitch him League of Legends he actually became a huge fan like he he hyped me up for it and I got excited and so uh through through the pioneers that came in the industry before me and then actually having a really good fan base behind me pushing me to get into esports it was it was I think that's what really kind of propelled me into it and then I have a a mentor or uh, somebody I know in Calgary who's been doing working with like Canadian Olympians for a long time and uh, doing this kind of work and I told her one day I was like hey like, what do you think if I just dive headfirst into esports, kind of throw all all disregard to the wind and just go for it? And she, again, did the exact same thing. She kicked me in the butt and said, do it. If you don't do it, then I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Uh, so she really pushed me to go for it, which was amazing. And I think having having people to really push you that hard in it is the reason why you can sustain yourself when when things get bad. Because it, it, it truly was two or two and a half years, about two years of the most miserable time trying to break into the industry. And that might be just because it's not ready for it yet. Obviously, everybody's aware that there's not as much money in esports as people think. So it's like, what are what are teams willing to spend on this kind of thing? And then another big issue on top of that is teams will often just want to like bring you in for contract work or just want to implant you to do a session. It's very hard to do meaningful like mental or psychological work with people if all you do is have like one point of contact and then that's yeah. it's hard it's hard to change it's much easier when you're integrated within a team and there's not many teams willing to integrate yet they they might want to do the thing to save base or to to advertise it but to actually like integrate the support team into the rosters or into the management or whatever it might be that's when you start seeing meaningful change i just don't know if, if all teams are there yet right and this app, the goal of the app is really just to make sure that this type of content is available and scalable for, for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does do both. So it, it is going for the pro side of things too. Like it will help the pros. It'll help them. The coaches work with the players, the players kind of figure out what they need. But then more importantly, and I think what's going to have a more profound impact on the industry is that like, and this is me reflecting back onto 16, 17 year old Landon who didn't know a single thing about the mental or the physical side of things. Like, how do you even begin? Like what workout is good? There's so many different kinds of diets you're supposed to do or different kinds of workouts that are great for you. Or um, there's so much 
when it comes to like the mental side of things, there's a lot of like that self-help industry. That's a lot of like pseudoscience or kind of, you know, just trying to capture people's wallets. And so there's not a lot of help there. And so it's, it's condensing all of that into one place where kids can have access to like, here's what you could do for a workout. That's nice and simple. Here's the way that you can do nutrition. Here's the way that you can think about like yoga, meditation, mental performance in general. And so it's just making it very accessible to everybody. Cause right now, like if you were to pay for like a mental performance coach, a personal trainer, a nutrition expert, a sleep expert, like all these things, like what kind of 16 year old kid can fork out that kind of money? It's just not possible. So even though the app might, it's not as intense as say having your entire performance team in your back pocket, cheering you on the entire way. It's as close as we can get to helping as many people as possible. And then how does it work for them? Is it just like a a free to use download on like, how, how do they access it? How are they engaging with it? Yeah. So it's actually the first edition and there's going to be many editions of it as time goes on. We're going to continue to upgrade. The first edition is dropping on Wednesday. And so a lot of people will be able to get that, or I guess, I don't know what, when this is going to air, but on October 6th, that's a better way of saying it. It drops on October 6th. And the first edition, I don't want to give too many spoilers on it, but it's going to be a way by which you can learn a lot of these things. So there's going to be an educational side of it. So like, again, like the, learning the, the core fundamental workouts of how do you do something and then teaching you the correct form on those things, as well as doing things like an introduction to mental performance. And then we also have something that's that's titled the metrics or metrics or whatever you want to boil it down to, which is going to be a way by which you can kind of keep keep yourself in check with what your daily habits are. So ensuring you're getting enough water, ensuring that you're doing the correct things, reminding you to do certain things, kind of coaching you along of how to structure your day and keeping track of, of what's happening in your day so that you can kind of come back and then uh, say you have, I, and I know a few universities out there are starting to do this with the or high schools are starting to do this with their players, where they have their players manually track a lot of these things. And then mm-hmm. the coaches look at it and then the coaches make an assessment like, wow, we really, um, we really did bad. I was <laughs> I was going to drop a bad word there. We did bad that weekend on this tournament. And so let's take a look back at what might've caused that. And then you try and find those correlations. This is really trying to simplify that. So you don't have to paper and pencil everything. You can use, you can use the app, track how your week was going, and then you can come back, reflect and correlate to like, okay, this is what I'm doing good. This is what I'm doing bad. I need to do more of this. I need to do less of that. I need to, if you can see like your caffeine intake and your sleep your like your caffeine intake went up and your sleep went down. Like there's a low hanging fruit that you can use to kind of help fix your sleep schedules. And so that's going to be one of the the launch points for the app. And like I said, we have really, really big plans on for what it's going to become. Like we, 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 we know it's going to be a very profound tool for whether it's coaches, whether it's management, whether it's team owners, but most specifically going to be really good at making sure that players both mentally and physically are prepared for whatever the training has, whatever the training is coming up on that day. But then Mm -hmm. also ensuring that if you have a big tournament coming up or you have like an official in Overwatch or Call of Duty or League or whatever it might be, that you know exactly what you need to do leading up to that point, kind of assessing like how much sleep do you need? What kind of nutrition do you play best at? When do you need to time things like caffeine or when do you time other things like pre-workouts or pre-performance routines and all that kind of stuff? So that's that's the launch point with with those really big grand goals that will be coming in in the next year or so. That's awesome. And how are you guys getting this into the market? How are you how are you marketing this app? What are the channels that you're using to kind of get the word out that it exists and that it's coming? So this is where we're really 
trying to leverage some of the the pro connections we have. So like Cloud9, if Jack did a a um, intro video, I don't know, a promo video. That's the right word. He did a promo video for us where he mentions that his work with Fit Gamer, he mentions his use with the app because it's not publicly available yet, but it's it's out there. So he mentions how it's helped, and so we're we're going to be utilizing some of that, like. I mean, again, sticking back to 16, 17 year old Landon, like if I can see my my favorite pro players doing this kind of stuff, like that'd be compelling for me. And then we're going really hard for some of the authentic engagement. So we're trying to find those communities that would be best suited to incorporating this. So whether it's high schools, whether it's colleges, whether it's even even there's some pretty big Discord communities, coaching communities out there that we might be trying to tap into, you know, it's a resource for their communities or whether it's a high school in terms of, I know we have some parents that are very excited about making sure that gaming is healthy. So we're going to be tapping into those communities and trying to distribute it through high schools, specifically also the collegiate system, Mm -hmm. because that's where we see the most rapid growth in terms of something like this, especially because there's a lot of maybe it's oversight maybe it's a condition that in order to play on the university team we're this is going to be one of the conditions and so we're building up our our partnerships with some of those systems and different kinds of groups out there in 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 that world awesome so how can people listening because they'll hear after the app is already launched and and available where can they find it how can they download it so it'll be in both on both Apple and Android, it'll just be in the, uh, I can't remember what the Apple store is called because I don't have an iPhone. It'll be in, in the Google store <laughs> and it'll be in whatever, wherever you get it on the Apple. They call it the app store. Yeah, it's gotta be. Is that what it's they a, call it? Now I have to look at my phone. It's gotta it's, be like the, I know. It's the I'm, app store. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. It's called the app store. <laughs> Go to whatever, whatever app store your device has. And then you just type in fit gamer, F I T G M R. And it should be right there. I don't think there's any other similar names on any of the stores yet. So it should be, it should be fairly obvious at that point. And that's just where we're going to exist. And then also like, we'll have, you can probably download it from our, we'll have links in discord. We'll have links on the website and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And so, but yeah, the easiest way is just to to search FITGMR on whichever store you're using. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And how can people connect with you if they want to learn more um, about what you have going on and just stay in touch with the company as a whole? Yeah. So if you wanted to get in touch with me personally, and I love, love, love talking with people in the community or in the industry. So if you want to get in touch with me personally, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Landon Gorbanko or on Twitter, which is at Vertex Psych. But if you want to, if you're more interested in Fit Gamer, which I guess could happen, you'll just find it on Twitter at FITGMR. So Fit Gamer is the handle pretty much across all platforms. And then if you want to just jump on our website, it's FITGMR.GG. And so I guess if the company is more cool, then that's where you'll find them. Oh, I can't imagine that the entire company is cooler than just you. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the easiest place to find us is, is probably on Twitter or through, through the website and just like the contact form there. Yeah. That that's, that's really easy to get in touch with us. We're pretty responsive. I love it. And any really great success stories to date that you can share of how, how working with fit gamers, you know, helping teams or individuals. Yeah, loads. <laughs> we could sit here for another hour. I know it was funny. We were watching, what was it? I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the LCS spring or summer finals. Must've been spring. Cause I don't think cloud nine was actually in the summer finals. Anyways, it was in the spring finals. Cloud nine was on stage and we saw on the, on the live riot stream, 
that a couple of the cloud nine players were starting to do their squats that Mike had taught them. And so we saw that they were like pre-gaming, ready, getting ready by doing their physics. That's one of the things we encourage. Like um, when you're getting nervous or having that pre-performance anxiety, what your body is trying to do is it's a stress response, trying to do that whole like classic fight or flight. It's trying to make you yeah. fight or move or do something. And so one of the things that we recommend if you, especially, especially if you get pre-performance anxiety or the jitters is, do something physical. And so we saw them doing the squats on the stage. So at least a little bit clicked. And then I know one of the coaches from Valorant told us just recently that uh, a lot of the player, or at least one of the players before the matches is doing our or yoga poses, the sun salutations. And it's like a consistent practice is that I got to get in the right mindset. So we're doing these kinds of things. And we like to definitely think that these are helping them and the players are picking up these habits. And even though it's not always like a natural habit, it's definitely getting people bought into over time because they're doing it they're doing it on stage they're doing it in front of people they're doing it before matches before games and so it's really cool to see see all that come together i love it and i really think it's great that you guys are kind of combining different thought disciplines to and and bringing those subject matter experts together with like one offering and thinking about health and wellness from more of a holistic approach than just you know kind of focusing on each individual, you know, business and, and kind of going in four different directions, five different directions. Yeah. I, I like that. It's kind of all built in together because it should be thought about like your health and well-being should be thought about more holistically. Anyways, you can't just solve all of your issues just by doing one thing. No, no, not at all. And that that's actually I think when I was first working in the industry, like that was the ultimate goal was to get on a team and be that that sports like person on a team. And now, now that I've been part of something where every piece is all together under one umbrella, it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to be just that sole lone warrior at, at, in a team. Like I want, I want the roster of performance people as well. And cause it's, it's, it's hard to do it all by yourself. You just, I can't have as much information or knowledge or experience on, on the other pillars of performance as I do on mental. And likewise, it's the same for them. They don't know mental is good. And so when you have everybody working together, that, doesn't know each other's fields as well, but you have that like ecosystem of everybody driving together. Like that's when things get brilliant. I love that. Thank you so much, Landon, for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and and your own personal journey. You're definitely an overcomer. And it's really great to see how you first recognized some things within yourself literally went off and educated yourself to fix yourself <laughs> and then you're paying it forward and really transforming the lives of, of other gamers. So thank you for what you do. And thanks so much for sharing your story. And we look forward to seeing all of the things that FitGamer um, does in the space. And I can't wait to download that app later this week. Yeah, right on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's always a blast chatting with people. Thanks for coming on, Landon. Yeah, you bet.